This Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Every month, One Country members are entered into amazing giveaways that do great stuff. Each giveaway gives back to a great cause because One Country believes that when you get, you give. Visit onecountry.com slash coach to become a member and get your first month free. Again, go to onecountry.com slash coach and experience winning that gives back. Also, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit and hand tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. And by Connexial, the live supply chain company connecting one to all through superb technology and solutions to drive life. Fleet owners and logistics professionals trust Connexial to coach up their drivers, improving safety, cost, and compliance. Visit Connexial.com coach for more information. It is that time again, Coach Me Up podcast, and it's a little different show today. It's just Chris Burke, my buddy, my co-host, I'm Jimmy Dykes, just the two of us. We got a lot to cover. It's Final Four weekend up on us, and uh, college basketball, college baseball is off and rolling. We're going to go back and revisit the past five, six shows that we've done so far in the year of 2023 and uh, review some of those lessons that we've been taught and be. Uh, so we're going to coach each other up a little bit, and we're going to coach you up along the way. And we always appreciate our team you guys uh, joining us for these podcasts. So uh, with that, we're going to jump right in. Uh, Chris, I mentioned earlier, we got some uh, an answered prayer request. Our buddy Clay, uh, or excuse me, Reed Claypool, uh, a little guy yep. we've been praying for in Kentucky, got a, a, a clear bill mm-hmm. of health that uh, cancer has left his body. We praise God about that. Uh, we lift up some other prayer requests right now. Uh, just the, the shooting uh, yes, uh, this week in Nashville, obviously, mm-hmm. Uh, just crushes all of our hearts. We lift those people up before we even get started here. But uh, with that, God, you're a good God, and we thank you for who you are, and we pray that you uh, yeah, you teach us today as Chris and I uh, visit with one another here for the next uh, several minutes. So, uh, Chris, as you know, my season is done, D-U-N-N, done, as a college basketball <laughs> analyst because the, the, the tournament, the NCAA tournament is on CBS, and I'm exclusively with ESPN. So, uh, I've been watching the tournament like everybody else for the past couple of weeks. I had to do some postseason stuff, in the, you know, uh, and it was fun. I got to do the women's NCAA tournament first and second round up in Maryland, which was uh, good, good ball. So, uh, but since then, I've been, I've been off like everybody else, watching this tournament play out exactly like I thought, Chris, it was going to play out. <laughs> you yeah, got well, it nailed? From the, from the standpoint <laughs> that the regular season, Chris, was so uncertain. There were so many Saturdays, I remember looking back, thinking Mm -hmm. how many unranked teams beat ranked teams on Saturdays. It was like crazy. Like every Saturday be 10, 12, 14 ranked teams losing to unranked teams. The number one spot in the AP poll continued to rotate all year long. There never was that clear-cut team like we had a couple of years ago with Baylor and Gonzaga. So I, I honestly, I'm not shocked at all. Yeah, you said yeah. that all year, to be fair. You I, said so that I, all I'm year. I'm not surprised at all where we are. But you think about it, this is the first Final Four that we're going to have without a top three seed. So the top 12 teams that we all thought going into the NCAA tournament, nuh none of them made it. They've, they've mm. all been bounced, Okay. Uh, mm. How about this? Uh, uh, now, let me ask uh-huh. you this. You gave us that stat that the top 12 – what was it? The AP top twelve in January. Yep. 
What, what was that day? It, was the, it always it was had the, the national uh, championship. It was, it was week six of the AP poll. Uh, was UConn in that? Because weren't they I, I were great UConn, early, yeah, right? They, so UConn was we, definitely in there. They they sure were. So they're the one that would, and they feel like they the favorite, like right? The favorite. So they're the one tracking. Yeah, yeah. and I, I say that because I saw them in November. UConn at Florida. I did the game, and I and for the next two two months, I kept telling everybody UConn's the best team in the country. That's the best mm-hmm. team I've seen. I may have even told you that at one point. Then, then you they, did. They had yeah, a little bit did. of a slide in, in the Big East play, which is going to happen, but they have found their groove. So I, I would think going in, as this podcast is dropping about 24 hours before games, that UConn would be the favorite. But I'm telling you, they, they, mm-hmm. they should win it. But they may not win it. It's kind of how I look at. Well, they're talking. They're talking like it. Like Dan Hurley's like, I have a Final Four team. Like I mean, the way he talks about them is we're yeah. really good, and I'm not really sure what happened there in the <laughs> middle. But th- this is who we are. You well, know? And, and you mentioned Dan Hurley. Uh, I got to know him a little bit two years ago in the Bahamas for a tournament, and then this past year I did one of his games. He for for the Hurley name that is associated with basketball at the highest level, he really coaches with a chip on his shoulder and proving that I belong on this big stage. It's interesting to me that he that he's wired like that. Uh, so I think that he has a team that obviously is the most talented one left, but they're a dangerous team because I think they're talented and they play with a chip on their shoulder like their coach does. You know what I'm saying? So to me, that's that kind of makes them the favorite going in. They have it's interesting, Chris, how it's just a I think it's a one year that we have to look at maybe differently than others because of the transfer portal, the NIL. Is this kind of how the tournament's gonna be going forward? Where where there is no true blue bloods anymore dominating the sport? I mean, this one year right now kind of says we might be going that way. But think about this. This this is the first final four without a single McDonald's All-American since 1979. There's not there, McDonald's All-American left wow. right now in college basketball in this final wow. four. So it speaks to old. It speaks to player development. It speaks to guys hanging in there, getting better, finding the right dudes that come in from the transfer portal that have played a ton of ball. You know, and, and there's some of that out there. So there's just some interesting things about this final four that that that. I, I've I've really enjoyed. Well, so let me ask you a philosophical question, okay? We're on Coach Me Up podcast, so let's talk coaching here a little bit. And, and, and congratulations to the coaches at San Diego State and FAU, yeah. Miami, and obviously we already talked about Dan Hurley, UConn, for coaching their team to this point because we know there's a lot of big money coaches that are there. The, we all know they're getting yep. paid that money for a lot of reasons, but part of it is to play deep in March. So. Now that we've seen what we've seen, and this has kind of been like, this is like going back to like 2019 or so where we've started to see a lot of quote unquote parody in the tournament. Okay. Not that there haven't always been upsets, but it feels like we're getting more and more of this. Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, not all more in the sweet 16, two out of the last three years, you know, with the portal and with, 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 um, NIL, it, are we past, like you said, is this, are we past the era? I heard Jay Bill is talking about this. He still thinks the best teams are going to be around. But are we past the era of the Blue Bloods dominating the sport? I tend to think that we're trending that direction. You know, now, now I would say that UConn is a Blue Blood, 
Well, honestly, like, yeah, we have they've won, won enough. Them, but they're, right. they're, they're maybe that. a light blue, yeah. light blue color, but they're but they're mm-hmm. they're a blue blood, yeah. you know. Uh, but, yeah, what do they got? Yeah, three yeah. or four titles. So, uh, but I, I just think with how you can quickly flip your roster with the transfer portal changes the typical blue bloods dominating the sport going forward. I, I just I think we're I think that's exactly where we're at, and the NIL money. Uh, the NIL money changed Miami in one year. That's how Miami has built their roster. It, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and I, I tell people this all the time. Think about it in the context of youth sports. Okay. Now, I know once you get to a certain age, it right. matters yeah. less. But you would never take a 14U team to a 17U no. tournament. Like, they would yes. get killed. Yeah. Now, each year that gap shrinks a little bit. But essentially, we'll just talk about Kentucky. Kentucky basically is going to try to take a 19U team next year to a 22U yeah. tournament. That's yep. what they're going to try to do, right? That's And even pre-NIL, that okay. only worked once. Yeah. And that wasn't a full team of freshmen, right. but yeah. a lot of freshmen, right? Now, the game is even older. And, you know, I saw you tweet yesterday something about uh, – who was it that was being interviewed? One of the yeah, Kentucky Mc, freshmen McDonald's was talking about winning the national championship. Right away, he's saying, we're going there to win a national championship. Uh, yeah, and you're like, whoa, bro, pump the brakes. You know, and it's just like, it, it, it's just, if you just think about it, just zoom out and just think about it like that. 22-year-olds versus 19-year-olds. That's a hard ask. You better be Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like you, and, and you better have you a couple better more be, Anthony Davises with, with you in that class. With you. You know? Yeah. It's just, man, theoretically or philosophically, I think that's just that's just really hard to do. One true freshman that started out of all out of the elite eight teams. So the so the so the the last eight teams standing, only one true freshman was in the starting lineup. So I just I just think that's that's where we're heading. I think that's what makes because Duke's going to try. The, Duke's got a bunch of that coming in too, uh, right? Yeah. Duke and Kentucky yeah. both. So I just I and it'd be one thing if it was college baseball, not to transition away from hoops, but in college baseball, you're guaranteed to have blue blood freshmen. Let's just if we're going to keep using that right. right the, the I should say uh, McDonald's All American five star. That's the that's the term we should use. Blue chip is what I was looking for. Blue chip freshman. In baseball, you know you're going to have those kids for two or three years. Most of the time, three. Two, if they're 21 years old within 45 days of the draft, they can go after their second year. But still, that's two years, right? right? But most of the time, you're going to get a blue-chip freshman for three years. So Florida, Vanderbilt, Louisville, like these schools can build their programs on blue-chip freshmen because they know they're going to grow up in their program. In hoops – if you're getting a blue chip freshman, the point is for him to, he's going there for one year. So that's what, you know, that's the hardest part about trying to be young is not only are you, are you young for this year, you have to start all over Absolutely. the next year. Like it's just, yeah, just a totally different process. Old wins, um, man. Well, old, old, good wins. You can't just be old. You got to be old and good. And I think that that's, yeah, absolutely. So, and you watch FAU. FAU yeah. knows exactly who they are, and obviously, I watch Tennessee try to run around and chase them. <laughs> and that's you know that's going to be a very interesting matchup with San Diego State because yep. San Diego State's big and physical, yep. not nearly as offensive. So that's a little bit like Tennessee in that they want to beat you up and slow you down, and FAU wants to run around and hide from you. 
So that'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, one thing FAU proved is it's hard to hold them down for two halves. Like Tennessee held them down for one, but eventually they're gonna they're gonna make three or four in a heartbeat on you, and it's like a twelve zero run waiting to happen. Yeah, you've got you've got a good eye for ball because your description of Tennessee chased them around is exactly what happened in that game because uh, Tennessee tried to play big. And that played right into Florida Atlantic's hands. And I think San Diego State has the same problem because when I watch Florida Atlantic play, uh, they throw the ball ahead fast. They get a paint touch. They swing it. They swing it. And all of a sudden, the defense is chasing instead of guarding, which, is a, which is a big difference. That's right. It's a really big difference. That's right. I know San Diego State is good defensively. I find it hard to believe that they're better than Tennessee was defensively. No, that's right. Yeah, and Florida just, Atlantic just, yeah, same that. deal. Think yeah. about Florida Atlantic. They, they were down seven to uh, Memphis. They had to hit a, a layup with two seconds to go to get out of the first yeah. round. They were down seven yeah. to Memphis. I think they were down six to Tennessee. They are down seven to Kansas State. And I was reading a story this morning on Dusty May, the, the head basketball coach there, that um, I think about three hours after he signed the contract back in March of 2018, the AD dropped him back off at the hotel. His wife was waiting on him. He walked in the room and literally started bawling, saying, I've made the biggest mistake of my life. I'm not ready for this. This job is going to be too hard. I've, I've seen the facilities. After he signed the contract, they took him to see the gym, the facility, and he was overwhelmed with imposter syndrome. I can't do this. This is not for me. Like literally broke down trying to figure out how do I get out of this? And his wife, who I think they've, I think they've started dating in junior high. I think it goes back that far. Basically, said, "No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. You are made for this moment. It is going to be hard. You are going to figure it out. And we're staying right here. We're not trying to do anything other than figure out how do we get this job done." So I, I love that side. Yeah, I love that side story of. Uh, Florida. It reminds me of Scotty Scheffler and what yes. his wife said to him on the on the Sunday of the yeah, Masters. Like, I'm not ready for this. I don't think I can do yeah. this. And for our listeners, I, I hope that's a, a word of encouragement. Scotty Scheffler is one of the greatest winners the game of golf has seen in the modern era right. in, in a very early period of time. And, and Dustin May is doing some stuff that yeah, you know, most coaches just dream about to to not only go to the Final Four, but to go to the Final Four with a group of five school uh, mid major team is. It's incredible. And he's won 35 games. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what league you're in. You won 35 games. He obviously is an incredible coach. But even the best struggle with self-doubt. Yes. Um, so that transitioned us well into our recap of, of some of our, not some of our, all of our guests this week. And Jimmy, why don't you, why don't you kick us off with, with my buddy Dan McDonald? What, what did he coach you up on? Yeah, it's a, you know, we did this at the end of 2022. We went back and revisited, reviewed all of our guests. We're going to try to do it every, I don't know, six or seven weeks, just so we can yeah, kind of- quarter, every quarter yeah, or every, so, every maybe. Quarter. Yeah. I like how you put that, every, every quarter. Yep. But Dan McDonald, if you remember, is a head baseball coach at Louisville. And um, the one thing that I re has really stuck with me that I have not done yet because I, I blame it on- well, I'm traveling five days out of seven, which I was, which I was, but he really challenged me on fasting uh, to the point that that I'm, I'm not trying to say how great of a guy I, I, I'm attempting to do that now in my off season for a while, and I want to learn and be taught from it and get and get my heart clear like Dan told us that it did for him, because God God's word, uh, Chris, again in Matthew six sixteen. 
Jesus is saying, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So it's very clear. Jesus says there is a reward. There is a reward for fasting. Now, if you do it just so everybody knows you do it and you think you're cool and you're trying to be godly, that, that is your reward. You're, hey, good job, Chris. Way to go. But Jesus is very clear. There's a reward for fasting. And I'm, I'm going to uh, challenge our listeners again to go back and maybe listen to that episode or just get in God's written word and, and see if he speaks to your heart about the purpose of fasting, what it does in your life, where it puts God in your day. Uh, once once a week, however, however often you want to do it. But I, I love the challenge from him, his transparency on the coaching us up on fasting. Yeah, and we also talked about that passage about how it it really coaches you up on toughness too, right? Because it's like uh, yeah. you're not eating for a day, yeah. or depending on how you want to do it. And he tells you, put some oil on your face, like put a smile on your face. You don't need to walk around and woe is me and look how spiritual I am kind of thing. And I told you about that story where uh, one of Jeff, uh, Coach McDonald's former players was sitting at my early morning men's group and I challenged the, the guy to shower before he comes. Like, dude, you like put some oil on your face, you yeah. know, freshen up, like, <laughs> like wake up. And anyway, it's funny because Coach Max just, he's such a dude. He's, he's challenged, he challenged, he, there's another one of his players, doesn't sit at my table, but sits, goes to that same men's group. And uh, he challenged that dude like a week later with the same thing. Like he, he, he's, he's, uh, he's a beauty. He's always coaching. Yeah. And um, anyway, he, he was fantastic. One, one other quick note from Coach McDonald that, that I loved what he said, which was, you know, he, he defines culture with, it starts with, with people. Right? Everybody uses that word in sports and culture. They change the culture. What it, it starts with people. Um, and I think from a coach me up podcast standpoint, like the people that we, who do we allow to speak to us and who do we allow to sharpen us? Um, that, that matters so much in, in the culture we're trying to build in our own homes yep. and uh, our teams that we're coaching and, and influencing and our workplaces, all that kind of stuff. So good, uh, good note to remember uh, after coach McDonald was Clark Kellogg, one of, one of my favorites who is, yeah. he is right in the heart of it right now. Um, and he, he's just a beautiful, beautiful communicator. Uh, what, what was your biggest takeaway from Clark? I, I go back to the one sentence that he said that uh, he was talking about spending time with the Lord in the morning in his quiet time and reading God's written word. And he said, his words water my heart. I've never heard it put like that. I've never heard it put like that, that, that God's written word right here, my Bible that I keep on my desk at all times, I should look at that much more through the eyes of it's watering my heart. And we know that all things come from our heart. Everything of who we are, it starts with our heart. And I love how he expressed that. I love how his, uh, just his authenticity of how he, uh, his relationship with the Lord is as real as it is with any best friend that any of us have ever had. Like it's, it's, he's that close. And he also talked about the snare of compare, uh, which we all fight. I mean, we all fight at a different level. Uh, whether it's whatever it is. I need to go through the list of what you compare yourself to, but all those voices that pull on us. Uh, and he reminded us again that we have to be anchored in something 
other than all the thousand voices that are telling us, be anchored over here, be anchored over here, be anchored over here. No, be anchored in God's written word at all times. But I just, I love that. I love that simple phrase, his words water my heart. And I, I hope that resonated with our listeners as well. How about you? Well, you know, if you remember, I, first of all, I think Clark Kellogg has just the incredible command Gift. of the language. Yeah. Just, the, you know, and you know, we, spurtability. I'm trying to think of uh, some of the other things that Squeezy he said. Squeezy orange. Squeezy orange. I mean, the guy is just, he's, he's unbelievable. Right? He's a legend in the broadcasting field. But he, he gave us another phrase that I thought was fantastic when I asked him about Jalen Hurts and Pat Mahomes because it was on the verge of the Super Bowl. And he said, those two handle surplus well. And it's like, man, just the thought, the way he encapsulates that, this thought of they're both just incredibly gifted men, but they handle their gifts very well. Right. And so many people can look at people that have this or that or the other. And they, well, it's easy for them. They've got this. And it's like, yeah, but man, to whom much is given, much is required. Right. And, and uh, those two handle their surplus really, really well. Um, and I, I think about that in the sense of, you know, how are, how are we, how am I using my gifts for God's glory and the good of others? Uh, am I being a good steward of that? Um, I just thought that was a fantastic challenge. No, it, it, it's uh, it's one of our favorite episodes that we've had with Clark Kellogg, and uh, you know he he got to the point that he had uh, he had the world by the tail in the NBA, and he got to the point where he had to question himself: What is my purpose in life? And it's a I think it's a question that all of us probably have answered or need to answer at some point. And I would challenge you to go back and listen to that one. He also said something very simple. Seth Davis is also a, a He's a really good follow in college basketball. Where we worked with Clark in, on in CBS, and uh, one of the one of the tweets that Seth sends out every morning is very simple: "Just be kind. Just be kind. You know, I, believer, non-believer, just just be kind." And Clark, one of the things he said was, "It's nice. To, it's nice to be good. It's better to be nice." And there's not a nicer, gentler. My heart's been changed by Jesus Spirit guy than we've had on our podcast uh, than Clark Kellogg. Just the just the common sense takeaway of just be kind to others was uh, it's important because I, I I can be unkind pretty quick. Just being transparent, I can be unkind yeah, pretty quick. It's it's, it's 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 he said it was. I know a you're not youth basketball like coach. Oh no, I'm always roses <laughs> and, and, and butterflies. Uh, I, just ask my players um, the. the I ask you, it was like a youth middle school basketball coach. It's good to be nice. It's nice to be good, but it's it's better to be nice. I thought, yeah, yeah. you know, we got in that conversation about just the lion and the lamb. And, you know, obviously there are some, Jesus was a lot of things. I don't know how high on the list nice would have been listed. And so while being loving and being kind to people is a calling, sometimes, especially when you're raising little ones, it's not nice. Yeah, nice sometimes doesn't get your kids in bed at night. So uh, there's a balance there that we're all trying to find. That's why we need the Lord's wisdom because uh, sometimes we got to be clear and sometimes and clear is always kind, but sometimes it's not it, not nice. And so that's uh, that that's not an easy balance. But but thank God for grace, number one, and and thank God for wisdom because we need it to figure out some of that stuff. Maddie Pruitt was next, and Maddie made a huge impact on 
our home because number one, she spoke right to, she spoke to all of us, but she spoke directly, I think to um, young women who I'm raising one. And um, so that, that meant a lot. And she signed a book for my daughter, which meant a ton. Now, Sydney, we got spring break coming up and Sydney, I've been staying on her about starting that book. She hasn't started it yet, but um, so thank you, Maddie, for sending that. But man, I thought Maddie was fantastic uh, on a number of different fronts. I actually listened to the episode in a car ride with my son once and Jackson, my oldest boy, was getting a kick out of it because we were laughing about Maddie's story about her and her dad. She was her dad's point guard. Yeah. And how she got it worse than everybody else because she was the point guard and her dad was the coach. <laughs> Jackson was laughing and I was laughing. I said, see, son, see, it, you know, this isn't, you're not the only one. So we had a pretty good laugh about that. But Maddie was just so down to earth and well-rounded, but also very, very bold and in, in uh her faith. Yeah, she was, uh, if you don't know who Maddie Pruitt, it's now Maddie Pruitt Trout, recently married in the last few months, but she she made a, she didn't make a name for herself. God lifted her up when she was uh, on ABC's show, The Bachelor, and uh, she made a strong faith-based decision to leave that show uh, when it got to the overnight stay of, of how that show plays out and you get down to the finals, you spend the night with the bachelor and she was she was opting out at that point and she got uh, hammered by it by a lot of folks on social media but God also lifted her up because she took a strong stance and uh, the one thing that I had circled out of several things she taught us that day she as a coach's daughter she coached us up about as well as anyone we've had but she talked about the importance Chris of having intense boundaries in her life uh, and she was talking about how she needs intense boundaries, uh, specifically with her handling of social media, that she's very protective of what she allows to come into her ears, into her eyes, into her thoughts. Uh, and I took that, and I, I put I put stricter, more intense boundaries around my own social media after I after after visiting with her. Uh, because as, as just like you, we're in the public's eye, we give opinions on our sport. Uh, they're not always popular. They're not always what people want to hear about their team, whatever. Uh, but I made I, I, I have made a much more intentional uh, effort to have boundaries around me because not just anyone has the right to speak to my heart. They don't. They don't have the right to speak to Maddie Pruitt's heart, to Chris Burke's heart, to my heart. But 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 they will if we allow them, and the enemy will if we allow him. And I think that's a great takeaway right now for all of us to understand intense boundaries we need to have, uh, not only through our social media and how the voice of comparison starts getting to us, but just negative things that can be said about us if you're in any type of a public eye like you and I are. Uh, but then the intense boundaries that I know I want around me to keep the enemy outside of those guardrails. And I, I just, I love how she spoke straight and clearly about the importance of intense boundaries in our life. Mm. Can I can I say something that's a little bit along those, a lot along those lines that I think can be very gray to some? I was having a conversation with somebody recently, and and it was very clear to me that the negative feedback that this person was getting was being just 
very easily dismissed as kind of from being over the top from people that are just irrational. And for instance, guys like me and you, we make a tweet, we're calling a game or we're about to call a game. Throughout the course of the game, you get 10 comments, seven of them are positive, three of them are negative. It's real easy to respond to the positive ones and just dismiss the negative ones as zealots who are off their rocker. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of times that's true. But one thing that I feel like, you know, as I've prayed for wisdom, there has been conversations I've had over the last couple of years with people who came to me with things that were mostly unfair, but actually had some good nuggets in there. Like, you know, if, if like, okay, let me get out of my feelings here and let me, let me dismiss all my preconceived notions and defensiveness. And let me actually hear what this person's saying. And, and to be honest with you, Jimmy, people that are not necessarily people that I would uh, uh, expect certain things from. And it's like, okay, I think a lot of this is unfair, but that's actually fair. I, I probably do need to reevaluate that. You know, uh, whereas sometimes we say, okay, well, I'm only going to let these three people speak to me. Okay, you've probably identified those three people as really good voices in your life. But sometimes we put ourselves in too tight of a bubble where we dismiss all the other voices as like, well, who cares? You know, and so it is a fine line, right? Like, again, the social media stuff is a little bit of an extreme example. But like every once in a while, I look at my mentions and I'm like, oh, I'm completely mispronouncing that person's name. That's helpful. (laughs) You probably don't need to call me bad words about it, but like, thank you. I now know that I've been saying that person's name wrong. You know what I'm saying? So like, sometimes we can, it's like a lot of things in life. We can go sometimes to opposite extremes on like, Mm -hmm. I'm listening to way too much negative criticism. I need to stop that. Yeah. Or I'm like, I'm not listening to any and I'm only going to filter in the good stuff. And then I can get off my rocker there too of like, well, everybody loves me. Like, no, they don't. Have you, there's 10 people that have crushed you. Like you need right. to shut up more. Or, you need to get this guy's <laughs> name right. Or did you even know this person used to play at that school or what? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. anyway, and that can be, that can be shallow as calling a game or as deep as like some blind spots that you've developed in your life because maybe you only are now stuck in a bubble of, a couple people or or whatever. Anyway, I just been wrestling through that myself, so I'm kind of giving yeah. that up to you on No, that's good. Um so anyway, just sometimes I, I people just, that are off the rocker can actually give you a good word if you yes. actually receive it, even if their heart's not in a good place for giving it to you, yeah. but it might actually hit you. My my take on it before we move on to Eric Wood is I think there's so much negative unintentionally or intentionally pulling on us that I try to do all I can to eliminate as much of that as possible, knowing that it's impossible to eliminate the, the enemy's voice. But I'm going to be very guarded and do all I can, man, all I can, and not just keep the door wide open for him all the time. You know, that, that that's, I guess that's kind of my biggest, my biggest takeaway there that I would want people to kind of think about. But anyways, Maddie Pruitt, daughter of a coach, coached us. Sorry up. for the rabbit job. trail. Yeah, Maddie no, was great. Good. And 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 she coached me up on a point that I think we all of us dads should remember is love your daughter in such a way that that's what she is looking for in a man. And when she said that I, w- I want somebody, I, I was looking for somebody that loved me as well as my dad. I thought, man, what a, what a calling. Yeah. 
Yep, puts some pressure on you in your home, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah in, a good, in a good way. In a great Eric way. Wood, Dr. Eric Wood, he's the athletic director uh, at Louisiana Tech. And, man, he's just my, – my notepad is filled up with stuff. Uh, to, moving quickly here with two more to go. But um, so many things he talked about. He gave us a good story, Ben, from uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, I think, and 7 right, right in there. But I, I, the very simply, he put – he was talking about – representing Louisiana Tech athletics, but he said, he tells his student athletes all the time, the logo never comes off. When you're out in the community, you got to get your hat on, like you are Louisiana Tech athlete at all times. And I quickly transferred that to our, our logo as a follower of the way never comes off. And that's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility for us to carry around, but to whom much is given, much is expected. You and I were texting about that this morning, that there's, that there is a responsibility as a believer to, uh, we will never be perfect, we're gonna stumble at all times, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean we can just uh, take our logo off at certain times and just say the heck with it and uh, lose our, our discipline with our tongue, lose our discipline with our eyes, lose our discipline with how we're living life. Uh, that logo as a follower of Jesus uh, never comes off and we're, and we're responsible for that logo, so. Uh, that's I, I I just appreciated how so many things that he said, but that's the one the one thing uh, that stu- that stood out to me. Yeah, that that story reminds me, or that example reminds me of a story I heard from Brett Butler, the great baseball player. Told a story one time that he was on a flight late after a game, and Brett was a Christian, and you know, I think led their chapel, and you know, kind of had a position in the team as like that guy, right? And late at night, a stewardess spilt a drink on him on the plane. And he got up and kind of read her the riot act. And the peanut gallery in the back started ripping him like, oh, big Christian guy. That's how you treat the stewardess. She just made a mistake. You know, give her some grace. And he said he turned around and looked at him. He said, what you guys don't understand is that's actually me. Like, I only by the yeah. grace of God do you ever see anything good in me. Like, that, than, that's yeah. how I... That's how I'm wired to respond, and I hate that about myself. I want to have more patience. I want to have more grace. I want to be kinder, gentler. Uh, but but apart from the grace of God, that's how I act all the You know, that's Absolutely. how I'm wired. And I yeah. thought it was a really powerful example of like, um, you know, what we're all trying to do, which was we'll never be sinless, but we're trying to sin less. And when we get in our flesh, ugliness can pop up like that. Yes. Um, and and but also th- when you when you um, put yourself out there from a faith perspective, people are watching, people are paying attention. He was like, he he. I remember him telling the story, saying like he didn't realize how quick the guys were to. Uh, they kind of reveled in him having a moment, uh, and he, it it made him realize like, man, there's a responsibility to uh, putting himself out there. Uh, I also loved what Eric Wood said about. Uh, a very, I think, a very deep and meaningful uh, definition of success, which is to be obedient and faithful. Not, you know, there was no this number of championships or hold this job at this school or, you know, make this income. It's like the way he defined success was obedient and faithful. I think that's a very godly definition of the word. Yeah, I wrote down obedience plus faithfulness equals success. Um, yeah, love, love, love that. Uh, 
he was great. Talked about culture, class, and competitive excellence, how he leads his program. And uh, he's a rising star. His his heart for the Lord, though, was uh, was awfully strong. Yeah, it's very evident. Yeah, very evident. So, uh, all right, that gets us up to Gabe Gross. And uh, and he was, uh, like, like everybody, just so many good wisdom nuggets that comes out of coaching and being around people that are just in the grind in the fight uh, every day. Um, he, uh, one of my favorite things he said was, you, you can train a donkey for the Kentucky Derby, but when the <laughs> horn goes off, you're still a donkey. <laughs> I don't know where that fits spiritually. Uh, but I think it's a great coaching a nugget, though. I think it's, and really parenting, like people, like you, you want to train them up, but you have to understand you know, who you're, who you're dealing with, right? Every God's created us all uniquely and beautifully and wonderfully. And if you're in donkey, you're probably not going to win the Derby. Like, you know, I hate to tell you, the world wants to tell you, you can do whatever you set your mind to, but a donkey's not going to win the Derby. So <laughs> that donkey needs to have intense barriers around his ears. So he doesn't hear guys like you telling him that he can't win the, don- oh, can't win the Derby. No, the I want my that- kids to chase their dreams, but they're probably not going to be Shaq. Like I'm just, that's just sorry. I just, I hate to be, hate to be a dream crusher. But one thing know. that coach said uh, out of several was he said, if, when, when we focus on ourselves, our problems get bigger. And I really, and I, I thought about that. Like, if I go about my day just thinking about me, me, my, my problems, why this, why that, why this, why that, it just continues to grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger and, and, and consumes me in a way that I have no compassion, no eyes for my family or those around me. Uh, and it doesn't it doesn't take long to look around and realize what I'm dealing with today is not nearly as severe as I think it is. But I, I, when we focus on ourselves, our problems get bigger. And I would finish that sentence with God gets smaller. God gets smaller. We focus on ourselves, our problems get bigger, and God gets smaller. And it was a uh, I, I, just so many things. He he mentioned uh, uh, the book of Romans at one point. On theology, yeah. If he could challenge people to read a book, uh, it, it was Romans, Romans or Philippians, and then a non-biblical book was more than a carpenter. Which we want to just throw those back out there. Great reads. Uh, you know, he he got it. He he, he talked about Luke sixteen ten being faithful in the little things, right? Um, and if you're faithful to little things, you will be entrusted with more. And it's a it's a great coaching point. Um, uh, if I think about Dusty May and, you know, just being faithful with the little things of, okay, here I am. I'm at FAU. There's a lot of disadvantages, but what do I do? How do I, how do I get started? Let me just, let me just recruit the first player. Let me talk to the first booster on how we could, you know, that's all you can do, right? Just one step at a time. Um, but when you, you know, the, the Lord's math is when you're faithful, with the little things, he will entrust you with more. Um, and, but you know, a lot of people are, you know, too big to do the small things. And so they end up being too small to do the big things. And I think it's a biblical lesson of um, being faithful. It's not, I don't think it's a biblical lesson. It is a biblical lesson uh, to be, to be faithful in the little things. But I also think for those of us that coach and we're all coaching in some regard, if we're being honest, right, whether we have a whistle in our, in our mouth or not, um, and it's great for our own hearts because we all like doing the big things. We like the mountaintop moments. We like the cherry uh, on top. We like the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But the reality is uh, the process is actually the best part. 
And when we focus on the process, we focus on the day-to-day, um, usually the, the end of the rainbow comes in some regard, right? It might not be exactly the way we want it to, but uh, there's usually good fruit that comes from that. And, and Gabe did a very good job of articulating that, I think. Yeah. You know, there's also good fruit comes from plain old sticking to it and perseverance and, and being faithful to where you are and trusting God's timeline. As I circle back, we finish up here to the final four. Brian Dutcher is the head coach at San Diego State. 27 years, he was the assistant to Steve Fisher. He was the assistant coach to one guy for 27 years and waited and waited and waited and waited, stayed loyal, stayed loyal, kept working, kept trusting, kept trusting, and boom, here he is now with his team in the Final Four uh, after being an assistant coach for 27 years. I don't know anything about his faith his faith journey at all. I just love that story of uh, perseverance and patience and uh, being a star where you are and uh, trusting God and his timing for what he has for us in life. So, Steve uh, Fisher right. was at San Diego State for 27 years. That's incredible. Yeah, Michigan before that. So right, Dutcher, right. Dutcher was, oh, with, so him he all, was all, with him all the way back okay. to then. Yeah, all the way back to wow. then. So. so he coached the Fab Five. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So that's, how, that's how loyal and he was uh, to his head coach to, to be there for 27 years. I, I appreciate CBS asking him about uh, Coach Fisher when he uh, advanced to the Final Four. So I think one thing Gabe said too that is exactly on point with what you just said. Sometimes he felt like his playing career, he he got the tree before he grew the roots, and as a coach, he feels like very much he grew the roots, and now the tree is is growing in front of him. Um, and I, I thought that was a, a great illustration of kind of what we were just talking about, which is everybody wants the prize and nobody likes the process. Um, and the reality is the growing of the roots is what produces the, a tree that, uh, that can withstand the wind and the waves. Right. So, um, just a good note there. The, what, tell me the San Diego state coach's name again, uh, Brian Dutcher. Yeah. He's, he's ready for the final four. He's certainly, certainly put in his time. His roots have grown that there's no doubt about that. So I'll finish up with this growing roots. Right there. That's how we grow our roots. There, there's no uh, plan B, C, or D other than spending time daily letting God's word water our heart and grow our roots so when that tree starts swaying in our life, like you just said, man, we are, we are grounded and our roots are really, really deep. I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll finish this up uh, with that thought today. I, we, we say it a lot, uh, before we get in our conversation, but our sponsors have just, they continue to be so loyal and so good to us. Connexial, uh, a group out of Tennessee, is just that uh, they've been so faithful. They're such big, big believers in what we're doing. OneCountry.com, uh, I have a group of buddies here in Northwest Arkansas that they have, we are powered by them. They do so much for us uh, behind the scenes with social media and different things. Uh, they have a heart for giving. If you have not visited onecountry.com, go to their website, join their team, and get a part of the giving that they do and, and, and actually win. But you're going to also have a great chance to give as well. And then Blue Delta Jeans is all throughout the country, but uh, they're a big part of the SEC where Chris and I spend a bulk of our time covering college of basketball and college of baseball. So 
we thank those sponsors again. So, Chris, it's been good. Final four about to tip off. I know you're 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 knee deep into college baseball. We'll continue to dig into that over the next several months as you continue to tell us who's going to advance to the College World Series. I know you're going to have those. Is it eight teams advanced to Omaha? Eight. Yeah. You'll go eight for eight. Yeah, I'll nail it. Uh, no on your doubt. prediction. Yeah. You'll go eight for eight. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, appreciate right, our time, great. right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me pray for us. Lord, you're good. Thank you for the the, the blessing of uh, being able to talk about your ways and your wisdom, Lord, because uh, they are best. Lord, help us to submit to those. Help us to be faithful and obedient. And uh, we just pray for our listeners, Lord. If there's somebody out there struggling hearing the sound of my voice, Lord, would you encourage them? Would you draw near to them? Uh, Thank you for the blessing of being able to share your wisdom. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.